And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What is up, everyone? Welcome to a ALCS edition of the Crawford Talks. We are speaking on the morning of Thursday, October 15th. The Rays lead the ALCS three games to one. I'm Jake Kaplan, joined by Mike Meltzer. Mike, how are you doing today? Jake, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm in recovery because last night was a uh, late night, not because of the game, because of work. But uh, the Astros stave off elimination and they play at least one more game this afternoon. Yeah, these night games uh, are not easy to. Uh, they're not good for the podcast schedule, really. Is, is yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're we're recording a little later in the morning than we usually do, just because we you know we finish so late. But thankfully, the the game five start time is is earlier. Um, I don't really understand why the uh, you know when you have an East Coast team and a Central team, you're starting after the Pacific team. You know, the Pacific time zone team, but. Hey, MLB does strange things, I guess. Yeah, they do. It's weird because you would think that the Dodgers would be the, the featured matchup, and yet the last two days that has uh, that is not that has and not been the case, which has been yeah. a little strange. Yeah. Anyway, moving to Game Four. Did you know, Mike Meltzer, that Dusty Baker is the first manager to leave his starter in to finish the sixth inning with with uh, two on and one out? That's that's. But that was my takeaway from last night's. Uh, Media narrative, uh, when you, I guess, as you might put it. So you're 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 saying you're saying that sarcastically, I assume, like the first one ever to do something like that. <laughs> That's in what the it post-season. felt like, right? Like the <laughs> yeah. reaction to what seemed like a logical decision. Um, you know, I think it actually it became less logical when you heard him explain it after the game, but. In the moment, uh, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Zach Greinke's good. Uh, Ryan Presley hasn't been very good. So, sure, why not? Why did you think it make, made less sense after Dusty talked after the game? Because he said it, he explained it as him not being convicted in his decision, right? He left the dugout, planning to take Greinke out for Ryan Presley. But, but he wasn't sure. But wasn't sure and changed his mind because Maldonado said he should, and he looked at Greinke's eyes. That's not really like what you're supposed to do in my opinion <laughs> like that's not what you're so it's not it's not what you're supposed to what you're supposed to do by the book um i guess the question would be now we go into the whole like analytics and the binder versus the, the feel versus the old school which baseball people love to talk about but no one has more feel than dusty baker right nobody has more feel than dusty baker exactly yes but on the other hand could you make the argument that if you are genuinely not sure on a decision like this, you walk it onto the mound and you congregate with your catcher and your pitcher and you fee- and you figure out how they're genuinely feeling about things, particularly in an inning where, you know, Austin Meadows had a legit single to right field, but Granke had gotten one easy out. 
the next hit was an infield single, and it's not like he was he was getting a ton of hard contact in that moment. Could you make that argument? I guess so. Um, I just I just like I think for me it, it's it's a nuanced discussion. Like ultimately, a lot of it depends on your alternative, and you know if you have uh, let's put it this way: if Dusty Baker had the Rays bullpen at his disposal. The right move there is to take Zach Greinke out, right? Yes, agreed. But he does not, and Ryan Presley has been shaky lately, as as we were reminded in the ninth inning. And um, there's not really a clear superior alternative to Greinke in that point. So um, I thought it was fine. I I, I think like um, basing it off like looking into his eyes is is I don't I don't really know how. I guess that's the feel part. I don't really, I wouldn't know. I'm just a lowly sports writer, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it wasn't as like, as if he had Will Harris or, or, uh, you know, last Roberto year. Osuna or Joe Smith right. or Garrett Cole off of two days of rest, whoever. Uh, he clearly had far inferior options. Now, Christian Javier wasn't warming up at that moment, I don't think. And so one could make the argument in a vacuum that he could have been a technically superior option uh, to Granke in that situation. But I, I agree with you with your premise. I think it is unfair to make a direct comparison between Granke in game four last night in the sixth inning to the seventh inning of game seven of the World Series. The Astros had far more options at that point for A.J. Hinch. Uh, and I just, I, I also, I, I'm one of those people like, I, I can see both sides of these kind of decisions. I think, I think very rarely is it obvious that a manager makes a mistake. I thought last year, Dave Roberts with, with Kershaw was a mistake. I thought in 03 with Grady Little and Pedro Martinez, it was obviously a mistake because anybody watching that game knew that Pedro got the outs he could get. And if you were just, if you had any sense of the game, you weren't going to bring Pedro back. But I think decisions like Game 7 of the World Series, either or I could see it. Last night, I could also see it. Like, I, I can genuinely see both sides. And I don't look at last night like some people didn't say, there you go. If Zach Greinke had, be, had been left in last year, the Astros would have right. won a World Series. I, 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 I don't understand that logic. Yeah. Real quick, just to, to your first point, Javier, they don't want to use him in the middle of an inning. So that's that's out. Good point. But Noted. yeah, I agree with you completely. Like, we, we judge these off of the outcome, not the process. And we should be judging it off, off the process in the moment, the decision. Um, you know, I think the process was actually probably bad in this situation, right? Like, you should have a decision when you go to the mound. You should play it by the book if that's your plan coming into the game. Um, but it worked out, right? You know, and because it worked out, it becomes the right decision. If it hadn't worked out, we'd be yes. crushing Dusty Baker, you know, and sometimes that's just, that's just the manager's job, right? Like if, if Howie Kendrick's ball goes foul and Will Harris gets him out on the next pitch, it, it was the right decision, right? So it's, it's, I, yeah, I think I agree. So like, that's kind of how I, I try to judge it in the moment. Um, and, and not focus too much on the outcome. And I know that's, that's not what most people do, but yeah, I think, um, let me ask you a question. Sure. I'm watching the uh, the, the TBS postgame show last night, and Pedro Martinez randomly states that Dusty Baker put his Astros career in jeopardy 
by leaving Zach Greinke in the game in the sixth inning. I did not did not have that sense. Did you have that sense? No, I didn't. Like, I, I don't know where that take came from. No. I mean, like, by the book, he should have taken Greinke out. And by the book, yes, it worked out. You know, there was a little bit of good luck there with a Rosarina check swing call. Right. Yep. So um, now now they're even on bad check swing calls in the series. So at yeah. least that part's even. Yeah, that's um, even. And yeah, it was a, a great pitch to Brasso on three two. Like, I, I think. Yep. Like, but we don't know that Ryan Presley wouldn't have gotten out of it either. Um, so I, I just I think um, if you're playing it by the book. You should take him out there, but the Astros just don't really have that high leverage shutdown guy. Um, yes, I think that's why this decision in Game 4 should be viewed and analyzed very differently from Game 7 of the World Series last year because they don't really have a lot of good options. I mean, Ryan Presley was an option last night because they're down 3-0 and they hadn't used Ryan Presley. In a normal situation, they're not going to even think about going to Presley in that moment. Anoli Predis had pitched the day before, so had Blake Taylor. You mentioned they're not going to bring in Javier in that spot. So basically, it was either Presley, who has been shaky in both of his last two outings against the A's, or stick with Zach Greinke. Neither are really fantastic options when you look at them on paper. It's also an inning later, right? Like, Greinke, let's not forget, he was pulled in the seventh last year. Um, This was the sixth. Uh, It was also against the guy who just homered off him, right? And that's another, uh, you know, point to to taking him out, right? Like a yes. Rosarina, the hottest guy on the Rays, maybe the hottest guy on the planet right now, just homer off of him. You know, a homer puts the Rays up at that point, right? So another homer. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Presley's a much better matchup against him, but sometimes the, you know, um, sometimes it just works out, right? Like you can't really explain it. It just is what it is. I think... Um, I don't. I'll defend the, the the process a little bit. Now, I'm not. I'm not on the Astros, so I don't know how these things go because they might have these kinds of decisions on a regular basis more than I'm aware of. But maybe it's okay sometimes to rely on the expertise of Martin Maldonado in a situation like that. Like I don't. I don't. I think. Okay. Sometimes it's okay to say I don't know. That that's one rule I live by. It Sometimes is, it's okay. It is, but he he clearly came out to the mound for a reason. Oh, he did, and I, and I, I think that's a spot where Dusty didn't know, which normally I would criticize somebody for, but I can sympathize with Dusty's decision making there, or at least his thought process, because it's genuinely a tough call. You know, Granky against a Rose Arena again, not a great option, or Ryan Presley coming in with with multiple runners on, having not pitched well, not a great option either. You know, is it a is it a bad process to say, you know what? Let me go out there. Granky's a future Hall of Famer. He's been around forever. Let's see what he says. Let's see what Maldonado says. And let's see, you know, these guys are playing in the game. I'm not playing in the game. What are they thinking? Is it the worst process ever? That I shouldn't I shouldn't frame it like that because that's unfair. But there I I, I do believe there is some logic in that given that the two people who are on the mound who you're talking to, Maldonado and Granky, have a combined tons of years of major league experience. Yeah, I I was just thinking, I wonder uh, what Brent Strom's reaction was when Dusty comes back to the 
dugout empty-handed, um, having not made the pitching change. <laughs> like I, I, I it's a good question. could imagine that being uh, an interesting conversation there. Well, um, I also think that uh, Dusty took Arkady out too early the night before, and that might have been in the back of his mind. I'm sure that was definitely in the back of his mind. Uh, did, what did you think of... I, I want to get back to the Granky thing with his comments in a, in a second here, but what did you think about taking Urquidy out in Game 3 after Altuve botched the should-be double play? I thought it was a little bit of a panic move given um, how well he was pitching. Um, you know, I didn't think it was a huge deal at the time, but the more I thought about it, um, you know, there wasn't really a great case to take him out there like he was pitching well he got the ground ball that you want like I don't know he's like he he was really good in game three and I think um he's usually not good the third time through the order because he throws so many strikes right mm-hmm. but he seemed to have it working and you know getting enough swings and misses and and being in and around the zone more so than just you know throwing constant strikes so I don't know I thought I thought he should have let him keep going, but uh, also Anoli Paredes has been really good for them up up before that game. So um, it wasn't egregious yeah, actually, by any means, but I, I thought it was a an early hook. Objectively, when you look at the decision in Game 3, it was more of a sound decision than the one that was made in Game 4 because at the very least, the Astros were going to a guy in Anoli Paredes who had been their best reliever. So they were going to their best option in a game that at the time they absolutely and probably still had to win. So it made more sense on paper, even though when you look at it, I agree. Urquidy was pitching probably better than, yeah, I would say better than Granky was last night because at that time he had not given up a run. I just think you have to be consistent, right? Like you can't change your process from day to day. You have to come in with a plan and stick to it. Yes. That's and my, they're going to have more take. of these, and that there are going to be more decisions to make because today is going to be uh, just a, a, a minefield, which we'll get to. Were you surprised, Jake, about Zach Greinke's post-game comments after Game Four, in which he alluded to the fact that he believes that the organization had not really had much faith in him in these kind of moments in the past? Not really. I mean, he's pretty honest in his comments. Um, I'll read the quote real quick. He he was asked what he said to Baker after the inning was over, and he said, "I was quote I was just saying it was nice having someone have confidence in me." Since I've been here, they haven't seemed to have confidence in my ability. It was nice having that happen in an important time like that. Um, I think it's important to note that nowhere in those comments does he say he disagrees with the decisions to take him out uh, in the past. I mean, Zach Greinke is a pretty analytical guy. I think he understands the third time through the order penalty pretty well. Um, But like every pitcher, they want to pitch complete games every time, right? So um, I wasn't Well, let's let's be fair, though, Jake. Let's be fair, though. I feel like that may be like, I get what you're saying. That might be a distinction that Granky didn't say, well, I disagreed with those decisions. But I do think and most people watching Zach Greinke's postgame last night when he says uh, that, you know, it was nice for them to have confidence in me because ever since I've been here, they haven't seemed to have confidence in my ability that doesn't seem like he's dispassionately just saying, yeah, I'm just, you know, an employee of the Houston Astros baseball club and they haven't really had much confidence in me, but they did tonight, which was uh, nice to see. Like, I think he's saying that like, hey, they didn't have confidence in me and they should have more confidence in me to be able to get get out of situations like this one. 
Yeah, but wouldn't every pitcher feel that way? Like, they just wouldn't say it. Well, that's the thing. I think by, by, by virtue of saying it, he feels that way. And it's notable because... Well, I, the, the other part, though, there are probably a number of pitchers who feel like, hey, my organization has the appropriate amount of confidence in me. And Zach Greinke is not in that class of pitchers, clearly based on what he said last night. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we read it differently. I think with him, he just kind of says matter-of-factly things and he's pretty unemotional about it um, well that we agree with yes yeah. that that we agree on he definitely says interesting things very dispassionately yeah um i don't you know like, and i it's interesting people kind of took that as like a shot at at game set aj hinge for game seven of the world series which i guess in some ways it is but i he was someone i think tyler kepner the new york times followed up and was like is that what you're talking about and he said there's he said that's one example there's probably been about a dozen of them um, and he's not wrong. I mean, they even this postseason, he faced 17 batters in the Twins game and 19 in the A's yep. game. They've treated him as a two times through the order starter. And, you know, it, that's nothing new. Um, I think when he was with the Diamondbacks, on average, he probably pitched deeper than he has with the Astros. But uh, that doesn't mean it's wrong, right? He hasn't been you know, super effective in all of these starts. And the book says that the third time through the order penalty, especially with the, the heart of the order, the third time through is, is a real thing. So um, I, yeah, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think the way they've treated him or, or deployed him is wrong. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Did you have the sense before last night's comments that Zach Granke was displeased with his use by the Astros? No, and I'm still not sure if he is, right? Like, okay. I don't, uh, I, like I said, I think we're reading the comments a little differently. Like, Yeah, I think we definitely are. Um, yeah, I think so. I think every pitcher wants, wants the ball, right? Like, they, no one wants to be coming out of the game, especially in the middle of an inning. Um, and he's he's competitive just like every other pitcher, so... Um, I didn't take it like him being upset more. So I took it as more just like, yeah, they haven't let me face the third time through the order. They've basically been treating me as a $34 million, 18 batter guy. But let me, let me ask you this though. Like, let's say there was some weird universe in which like, you know, you're, you're the Astros guy for the athletic. Let's imagine a world in which like you were the Astros guy, but like they got to the world series and like, they only let you like write sidebars or something. 
And then like they let you write, they let you like finish the main story uh, after a big game. And Jake Kaplan was interviewed afterwards. And Jake, you were basically like, you know, it, it was it was really, I'm going to paraphrase here. Let's say you said, you know, it was nice that the athletic had some confidence in me because since I've joined this company, it hasn't really seemed like they had confidence in my ability. So it was nice they let me finish this big story. I think anybody who would read that would be like, man, he wouldn't, he wasn't happy with his employer before. And now he feels like in this situation, he was treated well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get why. Yeah, I get that. I mean, maybe maybe I'm reading it wrong. You know, um, maybe he is pissed. Maybe he hates Houston. I don't know. But like, <laughs> <laughs> well, with him, it's, I feel like I feel like that would be impossible to tell. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know if he like he, he hasn't. What's his case to face the third time through? Like, I don't really. Uh, I, I don't really I, I know. Guess, like the best I, case I guess, is that the bullpen's bad, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best case. I mean, if he, uh, if you go back to Game Seven of the World Series, I, I, I would say this. What I would be curious because we've been talking about process a lot because with these kind of decisions, I, I agree with your point in general that every time a manager goes out to the mound, he can't be trying to feel out the situation every single night. Uh, that is reserved at best for very rare situations if you accept it like game four of the ALCS. But one thing I would be curious about in game seven, because that's what a lot of people were comparing this to after last night's game. Okay, if you look at the um, the Juan Soto at bat after Rendon's home run, so 2-1, seventh inning, one out, it seemed like Granke was treating Soto, uh, he was kind of, he was not trying to pitch him super aggressively, which you can understand. And he also got unlucky with a, a strike ball call, as Brent Strom mentioned mm-hmm. a few months ago. So my thought in hindsight would be, if they knew that Zach Greinke was approaching uh, Soto in that way, why not let him face another batter? Because you knew that was his approach anyway. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't. Who was up after Soto? Was it was it Kendrick right away? I forget. If, I, I don't know if it was Kendrick right it away. Feels like another lifetime ago, doesn't it? Um, it feels like it was another like millennium, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out. I, I don't think it was Kendrick immediately. Yeah, Could I mean, every situation is different, but like, ultimately, like, I don't know. Grenke gave up what four four runs to the A's last week. You want him to pitch deeper? Like, I, I don't really. I think I think any objective Astros fan, even if they like the decision, when Zach Greinke was facing Randy Rosarina, was not exactly looking at that with a ton of confidence. Yeah. Right. And he, I mean, he yeah, I mean, he he got the job done with a little luck. Um, he got a, he got a friendly strike two call against Brasso or strike one. I forget it was like the inside fastball, right? Um, yep. So yeah, I mean, I I think I I I obviously it worked out for the Astros and and um you know Dusty made the quote unquote right decision because it worked out, but like again, process over outcome for me. By the way, I I was incorrect. Ken, uh, Kendrick was indeed the next hitter, and you and I have gone through that one. I I still don't really. I don't really mind that decision. I know that Will Harris had given up a home run to uh, Rendon the night before in the, in the game six loss. That doesn't really bother me. It was a low leverage spot. And uh, I, I don't know how Harris was feeling. That would be the the missing information on my end. But, I mean, Fangraphs did a whole big story about it. And where the pitch was located compared to Kendrick's career, like, it was the exact reverse of Marwin Gonzalez's home run 
in Game 2 of the World Series in 2017, where Jeff Passan wrote about like just how rare Kenley Jansen was uh, giving up a home run off, I think, the cutter, especially like in that part of the plate. It's just like two historic home runs. One went for you and one went against you. And I really had no issue last year, even though a lot of people seem to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I if we want to relitigate that whole thing, it's there's a lot that goes into it. But um, yes. yeah, so I mean, back to Granke last night. Do you think he's upset that he the way he's used or do you think he's just stating fact? I think he is not thrilled with the way that he is being used. Uh, I don't think it rises to the level of like, hey, I hate playing for the Astros. Uh, I don't think it's at that level. I think he just recognizes what you mentioned, which is, yeah, they see me as a guy who can, you know, face about 17 to 19 hitters, and that's basically what I am. And it was nice that they showed the confidence in me in a must-win game last night. I don't think he's thrilled about it. I don't think he's like he. I don't think he's going to be like Le'Veon Bell and go on a liking spree on Twitter of people who are <laughs> saying the Astros have misused them since July thirty-first, twenty nineteen. So it's probably not to that level. Yeah, I mean, let's just put this out there now. If the Astros somehow come back and win the series, and the Dodger and they play the Dodgers in the next round, he's not getting the third time through the order in his start against the Dodgers either. So. Uh, Most likely, this is yes. the worst lineup he's faced, right, in the playoffs. Um, Absolutely. So. Yes. The, the, the Rays quietly have not really hit with the exception of Arroz Arena, and uh, they've struck out a lot as well. But that has not been the dominant storyline of the series because of a lot of other factors. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It was interesting, just especially the reaction to Dusty's. Like, I don't know. I feel like everyone <laughs> just loves to praise Dusty Baker, and a lot of times it's warranted and... He obviously worked out for him, but like sometimes it's like a little over the top. Like pitcher, like managers have left pitchers in to face to finish the sixth inning with two on a one out before. Like it's it's not unprecedented. It has, yep. Good points. What so what do the Astros do in Game Five this afternoon? Well, hopefully this conversation doesn't doesn't get too dated by the time you hear this. But uh, I would go with a match matchup based bullpen game. Um, I think that's the smart play. You know, you have Anoli Paredes, who's been a starter in the minors. You have Blake Taylor, who was a starter in the minors. You have Christian Javier, should be available for something, I would think. Um, and between those three and Brooks Raley, Andre Scrub, Josh James, Ryan Presley, um, I feel like you can piece it together um, better than you could just a straight start of Luis Garcia, who is a rookie and you have no idea what you would get. Um, neither option's good, but I, I think that's that's the play. I would actually start Luis Garcia. He's got upside. This is somebody who I'm guessing their hope is is going to be in the rotation full-time in 2022. And there's always the chance that sometimes in the playoffs you get some magic with a rookie. And I know that this is an elimination game. They have to win but I don't see a better option opening this game. And my theory is, hey, the kid's got good stuff and you've seen some promising efforts from him, some promising moments. I don't see like a vastly superior option because a lot of these other guys uh, pitched in the game last night or have pitched a bunch in the series. And so Garcia represents for me the best option to get as to get a bunch of innings if he was pitching well. So I would start with him and see what I get. He hasn't started since September 9th. Today's October gotta, 15th. 
No risk it, no biscuit, Jay Kaplan. Sometimes you got to roll the dice. I mean, I, I'm surprised that Framber Valdez is not starting this game, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, I think he should be. We, we talked about this in our preview episode that I, I thought, yeah. and I was completely wrong, that every team no-brainer would go four-man rotation, and I'm way off on that. Every team is not doing that. Um, I, I, I get that Framber threw a lot of innings this year relative to the rest of their pitchers, but it's still a short season, and they talk all the time about his rubber arms, so show it. You know, like I don't think three days rest versus four days rest is like this huge ask for, for him. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, he he's thrown... Uh, Fromber threw 70 and two-thirds innings in the regular season. Obviously, some more here in the postseason. Add uh, 18 in the postseason. So it's, I, I guess, sort of getting up there. But, like, I mean, it's a shortened season. Uh, yeah, I'm fascinated by that decision because I, I almost, I wasn't 100% sure on it. But my initial thought was, okay, the plan would be, Robert Valdez in game five because he's the one you can bring off three days rest in the easiest fashion. McCullers, different story, coming off Tommy John's surgery, has had a history of issues, uh, of injuries, I should say. The Fromber one really surprises me. I, I guess that's a that has to be an organizational decision that he's so important to their future that they're going to just treat him not with kid gloves, but they're going to be careful. Yeah, that's, it sound, that's what it's Dusty Baker made it sound like, basically. Um and yeah, I guess that's their prerogative, right? If if they're against that, then they're against that. But you know, you got you, you got to guarantee that there is a game six first, right? Before you start planning for game six. Of course, I mean, I think that's I think that's them basically saying we think that Fromber Valdez has a chance to get hurt in game five, and we don't think the risk is worth the reward. Essentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's what that decision boils down to. And the reward is, you know, you're you are playing, even though you're at this point a heavy underdog you're still playing in the american league championship series right right yeah no i mean it, w- it was surprising to me um but um if they somehow manage to win game five then it'll look like the right decision right yes by the way who's i, I should know this who's starting for tampa what, what's their plan we don't know they haven't announced it either i, I think uh dueling bullpen game seems like a legit possibility today that is what it seems like, and obviously Tampa has the advantage on that. Okay, so let's let's go back to this uh, Garcia thing. So if they don't start Garcia, is it basically depending on what this Rays lineup is, which is just newfangled every single day, what they like matchup wise in the first inning, and then kind of see what happens? Well, I don't. Uh, if the Rays are smart, they're not going to release their lineup before they know the Astros starter. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't know if that plays into it, but. Um, I think you just got to go with whoever you think is the best chance to go the first five or six batters and is used, ha, has experience starting. Maybe Josh James, uh, maybe Anoli Paredes, maybe um, Blake Taylor. I mean, who's good against righties and lefties? Like there's, you know, Christian Javier, could he give you an inning or two on such short, you know, it's not only short rest because he pitched last night but it's less than 24 hours since they're playing a day game um i don't know but uh it'll be interesting to see and like like you alluded to earlier like you know we're talking about a dusty baker bullpen decision from last night we're going to be talking about 10 of them after this game yeah we're going to be talking about a lot of them okay so just so i'm clear on, on people who are available here so we mentioned luis garcia guys who are available presley taylor Josh James, Anoli, 
Brooks Raley, Andre Scrub, Christian Javier, maybe for a little bit, and then, you know, Cy Snead, Chase DeYoung. I don't know yeah, if those are guys not, you want to... You're not seeing those yeah. guys unless it's 10-2, to two, right? Like Yeah. So you're basically thinking like an inning or two out of, out of those aforementioned guys, basically. Yeah, I think so. I, I kind of view yeah. that as the core. I think Andre Scrub has entered the core of the relievers, and I think... Very quickly, yeah. Dusty's always seemed to treat Josh James as a core reliever, and he did look really good the other night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was surprised to see him out there for a second inning, but he uh, he got the job done. Yeah, the the more I look at this, Jake, this might be insane, but I would start Luis Garcia and see what he can give you. That's my thought. I don't think it's insane. I think it's a, it's a real decision they have to make, um, and we'll find out. I think Dusty, we're speaking at 10.30 a.m. Central. Dusty's going to address the media in a couple hours, and hopefully he'll tell us. Maybe he won't. Maybe maybe he'll make his way until the first <laughs> yeah. pitch, but it uh, yeah. should be an interesting game five. It should be. Uh, here's another thing that I'm wondering about. Are we two games away from every baseball player being compared to Steve Sachs and Chuck Knobloch? Am I underreacting to Jose Altuve's defensive struggles in this series? Like, I realize that the errors are a significant part of why the Astros are down three games to one in this series, which I don't think is all Altuve's fault in the sense that, you know, you could have won the game in other ways. And it's not like because of the errors, you lost 10 to one. But while he's been a very good or good defensive second baseman for basically his entire career, but I am not like as panicked as, as some people seem to be over his defensive woes. Am I crazy here? You're crazy, but not for this. Um, that's fair. I, I'll accept that. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not overreacting. Uh, we live in a society where everyone likes to overreact. Um, I, I mean, it was he cost them two games. I mean, they could have won, but like both of his errors were huge. Let's huge, not under, let's not underwrite the impact of those two errors. But yeah, I mean, I guess we are two two games away from any baseball player being compared to Steve Sachs. Really, like that's apparently we are. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I guess yeah, we are two games away from seeing quotes from Steve Sachs in the newspaper or Chuck Knobloch in the newspaper. That's basically where we are. I I guess. I guess. I mean, it, obviously, Altuve is a high profile player. Uh, there are high profile moments in the high profile games. Um, you know, it's I've never I've covered him since the start of 2016. I've never seen him have throwing issues um, until game two. So it was certainly stunning to watch. Um, you know, I guess we got to feed the content machine, right? So when, whenever something happens where there's precedent, we call the people it's happened to before for insight. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that, but I, I see your point also that, um, you know, I mean, well, it's let, two let, games. Let me, yeah, let me frame it this way. Was there any decision to make about putting Jose Altuve in second base for game four? Because I didn't feel like that was even a, a decision to make. I didn't either just because, like, if you do that, you're basically losing him for the rest of the year, right? Like, you're crushing his confidence for the rest of the year. Yeah, you just, you, you can't do that. Like, he has to be in the lineup anyway for obvious reasons. He's hitting really well. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he's got to be out there. I mean, period. End of story. I thought it was weird that Dusty Baker brought up, like, I, I thought it's weird that Dusty Baker brought up the yips. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that you don't want to out loud talk about when someone struggles defensively. Maybe I'm off on that. Yeah, you hear a lot of people like refer to it as the thing um, mm -hmm. rather than the yips. But uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I mean, it was a valid question to ask Dusty Baker. You Absolutely. Know, yeah. Should you start Altuve at second base the next game? But I had never had any, I never thought Dusty wouldn't. Um, 
you know, and you know, it's how many throws is Altuve getting a game? Three? Um, yeah, not many. It's it's probably not worth you know crushing his confidence for the entire rest of the postseason. Should they find a way to advance um, for Ledmus Diaz, who's not you know a special fielder by any means? So um, I was I, ask I was not surprised that he stuck with him. The uh, the first error that he had the 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 throw to Guriel. Did you feel like that was? A hundred percent on Altuve, a little bit on Guriel. What did you think about the decision to give the error to Altuve on that play in Game Two? My first reaction watching the play was on Guriel more than Altuve. Um, Me too. And I tweeted something, and people were like, "Oh, what about Altuve?" Um, as if like I could, I was just ignoring that part of it. You have to give the error to the guy, the throw, the the guy who threw it because he hit the ground. That's just how it works, but. Uh, Gurriel's got to make that play too. Like both things can be true. Altuve made a bad throw. Gurriel needs to scoop that ball. Um, and you saw Gurriel's reaction in the dugout after he threw his glove against the bench and was really yes. pissed. Like he knows that. Um, so yeah, I think he got a little bit of a pass for because the error went to Altuve. Um, I thought it was like sixty forty. Uh, like okay, I thought yeah. I mean, Gurriel's a better defender at his position than Altuve is, and he's got to make that play. I think he's got to make that play. I wonder if he had more time than he thought, and I actually didn't know that part about the the error rule, so now that makes more sense to me, but the way you broke it down makes complete sense. That play has to be made by both guys. Altuve, obviously, if he makes a better throw, then we're not discussing this, but even if the ball hops to him, I, I still think that's a pick that Altu- that uh, Guriel has to make and makes routinely over the course of uh, over the course of these games. So I thought that part was... It was... Not a good play by Altuve, but not some sort of catastrophe. Now, the double play ball, obviously, he's got to make a better throw. I know Correa sat for the game. He felt like that's something he should have had. I think he's just being kind Correct. there. Maybe maybe he could have had that, but that was a that was a very bad throw. If Correa made that play, <laughs> it's like incredible, right? Like he, he yeah. he's saying that to, de- to defend Altuve, take attention away yes. from his 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 double play partner and close friend. Uh, Correa didn't need to like Correa shouldn't have made that play. That was on Altuve. That was completely on Altuve, and it was critical because of what ended up happening uh, in the inning. I mean, it, it's it's weird with these errors because sometimes you can have them and then you're completely fine. In this situation, in these two situations, game two and game three, the errors, the, the two errors and the ensuing run production was the key to what ended up happening win-loss in the game. Yeah, and then you contrast it with the Tampa defense, you know, that yep. not only made every play, but took away thing hits that line drives that look like short hits, right? Like the Correa ball against Kiermaier, the Tucker ball against Renfro. Um, yep. Like the contrast in defenses is what stuck out, stood out, stuck out. I can't even speak English anymore. Is what stood out to me the most in in game two and three, uh, and I think to everyone um, and. You know, that's rare for the Astros, right? Like, they have yep. built this team around strong infield defense. Altuve and Correa turned some of the quickest double plays you'll ever see. And Bregman and Gurriel are both really good defenders at their positions as well. Um, so, it's not, it was uncharacteristic of the Astros, too. But I still think um, the Rays are just incredible defensively. And it's, it's uh, you know, we probably didn't talk about it enough coming into the series. Yeah, especially based on the way they've played. I mean, it's uh, 
it's an excellent baseball team that's built in a very unique way in that they do have a core of a couple of really good starting pitchers, but it's a bullpen where it, it felt like it feels like they they have like a, a factory where they, they they just like manufacture tall lefties or righties who throw really hard. And it's a lineup that changes every single day and you don't know what's going to happen. Like I was reading before the weekend, G-Man Choi is like the glue guy to this lineup. And then he's like not even in it like half the time. Right. <laughs> and I just have to get I just have to get used to it. Um, but it's just like it's like a super oddly built baseball team, but they are the way they do it. It's been really effective and the defense has been fantastic. You mentioned two of the plays, you know, you had Renfro robbing Springer in game three. Uh, you had the uh, the the Tucker double play in game one, which was critical. Uh, they just they continue. You had John Curtis, of all people, making a really nice uh-huh. play off the mound in game three. Wen- just, Wendell just and Adamas just make everything. Yes. Um yeah, I mean, they have Margot's like a center fielder on most teams. And he's playing left or right. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's impressive. Um, it's actually interesting, though. I think Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, has did play it a little fast and loose with his bullpen in game, in the first three games. Um, you know, like he's not, he using his B guys in a situation where you might use your A guys and, and getting away with it. Um, which is maybe just a testament to how deep they are. But, you know, it was a risk letting Aaron Loop face the heart of the order for, you know, however many times in oh, a yeah. row. And, you know, you might think, I thought that, like, Diego Castillo should be the guy for the heart of the order, and then you figure out the ninth later, right? But um, he he has been a little, played it a little risky, I thought, and just gotten away with it in, in some of those Two, game, games two and three especially kind of stick out or maybe game yeah. three especially I think that's very fair analysis that he seems like the one guy who if you leave him in especially as a lefty he's going to face some righties in the Astros lineup where that could go very poorly Bregman's had two critical strikeouts in, in big moments but I mean when I look at this I, I think I think unfortunately for our audience I think the Astros probably lose game five because of the nature of the of the pitching matchups but when I look at the series overall to this point, it's been interesting in that the Astros starting pitching objectively has been just fantastic. And yet I think they're going to lose the series because their defense has been bad at the most inopportune times. Tampa's defense has been fantastic and the Rays have had enough hits in key moments that they can win these close games. And that's really the storyline of the series essentially to me. Yeah. It's been it's been a, every game's been close, um, you know, low lower scoring, kind of kind of what we thought last round would be, or at least what I thought last round would be. Um, haven't had the high scoring really, but uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really you know fascinated to watch Game Five. I think you know to see how these two managers, these two teams approach you know bullpen games if if that's the way they go, uh, and we might see some raise relievers we haven't seen yet. Um, you know, they've only used Nick Anderson once in the first four games. Yep. Um, Fairbanks twice. Um, they really have set themselves up well by getting away with using their B bullpen, um, which obviously doesn't bode well for the Astros. But, you know, I think the Astros hitters seem like they've had a lot of good at bats uh, also. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting game. 
It will be from a raise availability standpoint. So what you were saying, it, it seems like they have most of the key guys in their bullpen essentially available for this game five. Like the, the guys who are important. They should have everyone. They, they didn't pitch. They, they should because when you look at it in game four, I mean, they only pitch Alvarado coming off the injury and this Seeger's character uh, as well. So yeah, everybody else has a full day of rest at least. So the, the Astros are definitely at a disadvantage from a pitching standpoint. Right. I think the the key for the Astros has to be to get an early lead again, right? Like that's that's how you yep. beat the Rays. Um but yeah, I mean the I think I defamed uh Seegers <clears throat> Sleggers. Aaron Sleggers, Aaron Sleggers. Is the guy who pitched last night. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't seen yet Shane McClanahan who's like a lefty throws a hundred, uh who who's I don't think he's pitched in the majors yet. Um maybe we'll see him today. But uh yeah, I'll they bring off Alvarado off the IL and he's just throwing ninety nine with crazy movement, like <laughs> It's insane yes. what they have there, and I guess maybe that's why you can't blame Kevin Cash for trying to get away with using his B bullpen because his B bullpen, Aaron Loop and Ryan Thompson and John Curtis would be A bullpens for for many teams. I agree. Uh, my thought from a race standpoint is like if I if I was looking at if I or if I were a race fan, I'd say okay, you know, you can live with losing game four. It's understandable, particularly in context of like, hey, you just won three close games. You lost a close game. I think fair is fair. Uh, this is a game that you want to, from a raise standpoint, you want to make sure to kind of tamp down this Astros comeback because they, if, if Houston wins game five, then it's lined up. It's not, you know, hey, we've got Pedro and Schilling, but they do have Fromber Valdez and Lance McCullers with full rest in game six and theoretically game seven. So that could be very interesting if the Astros win game five this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. It's a series isn't quite over yet. I mean, I I think obviously the Rays are the heavy, heavy favorite, but uh, there's a chance it gets interesting. We'll see when either way uh, we will be dissecting it on our next episode, which we'll have to figure out when exactly that is, I guess. Yes, I mean either way it will be after the series uh, comes to an end because even at the even at the greatest extent it would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday if those three games are necessary. So the next time we talk, we could be recapping the season, we could be previewing the World Series. Who the heck knows what's going to happen over uh, today or the next couple of days? Yeah, we'll have to get together off off air and figure out when we want to do that. But um, you know, these are fun to you know, have a, it's like, it feels like every episode we have so much to unpack, uh, yes, from these postseason games. Absolutely. So that'll do it for the latest episode. Obviously this one is a unique one with, uh, at least with some things that we discuss with a quote unquote shorter shelf life. But I think a lot of it, especially when it comes to our discussion about the series and the Granky comments and Dusty's decision-making is stuff that I think, uh, is stuff that will hold uh, for longer as well. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Again, we are going to put out another episode once the series ends. Sunday, Monday range, like our kind of typical schedule. We'll see exactly what happens in the next couple days. Uh, but at that point, we will know the winner of the ALCS. For Jay Kaplan, I'm Mike Meltzer. This has been the latest episode of the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic.